Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Are you ready for the Word of God? Amen. You grab your Bible. Grab the one right in front of you. Go ahead, turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11 today. This is the famous faith chapter that talks about our forefathers, the mighty hall of faith, the patriarchs of the faith that have gone before us and have lived lives of examples to us. We've recently spoken about Abraham. A couple weeks ago, I spoke about Joseph and his incredible life, and we're seeing Jesus at work, even in the Old Testament. And today, I want to focus on the life of Moses. And I want to find Jesus and his principles in the life of Moses, a man of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. We're going to read verse 23 through 29. And it says, it says this. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. That's an awesome verse. They were not afraid. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Verse 27 says, by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. In verse 29, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Five times we see this phrase, by faith. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 and 39 says this, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Come on. We are not those that shrink back. We are the ones of faith. Can you say amen, church? Let's pray together. Lord, right now, I ask that you come and you speak to us about faith to our hearts and our minds, and we give this moment over to you. No distractions and no other agendas, but only whatever your Holy Spirit desires to tell us, we're ready to listen. So we give you this moment, and we say, come, Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, I want to speak to you about faith through the life of Moses. Faith is necessary to move forward into the future that God has designed for you. And God has designed a future for you. He has a promised land for you. He's got a path, a direction for you. It is a good plan and it is a good design, but the only way you can get to where God wants to take you is by faith. We see over and over Moses move towards God's promises and ultimately the promised land. How? By faith. By faith. By faith. The reality is, if you're going to serve Jesus, you're going to need faith. 
If you're going to get to where he wants to bring you, you're going to need faith. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, you need faith. Turn to someone else and tell him, you need faith. Because see, the realities of life and the plans of the enemy, they will conspire to stop you. There will always be a pharaoh. There will always be a Red Sea. There will always be the grumbling and complainers of faithless people. There will always be the difficulties and obstacles of life. And the truth is, the pharaoh of sin, shame, it will chase you down in order to return you to your former life, your former enslavement under sin. Yes, there will be difficulties in life, and sin won't want to let you go easily, but I'm here to tell you that faith is stronger than the arm of Pharaoh. Faith is stronger than the chariots and the horsemen. Faith is stronger than any obstacle that you come against. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, mountains have to shake and move. That's how powerful. It is the nuclear bomb of the Holy Spirit. You gotta have faith. And I've got good news for you today. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion and that your faith can move those mountains. Corey Ten Boone says, faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. Andrew Murray says, faith expects from God what is beyond all expectation. And Martin Luther King Jr. says, faith is taking the first step, even when you don't know, when you don't see the whole staircase. Faith is moving into the future, not based on your surroundings, not based on yourself, but faith is, moves into the future based on the source of your salvation. Our faith is in the one that knows the way, that makes the way, that opens the way. Our faith is centered in Jesus Christ. Moses shows us what it looks like to live a life of faith. He shows us what it looks like to move forward by faith. He shows us what it looks like when God gets his hands on ordinary people to use them in extraordinary ways. And his story has an unusual beginning. The book of Exodus kicks it off with an issue, with, an, with a problem. Because see, the last, time, the last time we saw Egypt, Joseph was alive and he was living in it. If you remember just a couple weeks ago, we talked about his incredible life where God sent him into Egypt to rescue Egypt to rescue his family, to rescue the whole world. Egypt at that time was the center of the world, and yet it was about to be destroyed by famine. But Joseph came in, he brought his wisdom, and he brought the mighty hand of God, and God rescued those people. But hundreds of years have passed now. Pharaohs have come, and Pharaohs have gone. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter one, verse eight, that there's a new king over Egypt. The Bible says this, but he did not know Joseph. And see, that's when really all the trouble begins. Because he didn't know Joseph, he didn't care for Joseph's God. He didn't love Joseph's people. He began to be afraid of the people of Israel. And so he dealt shrewdly with them. He enslaved them, he subjugated and oppressed them. He had no fear of God. And the reality is, if you have no fear of God, you become afraid of everything else. So now, now Pharaoh is afraid of the people that God was using to bless him. But he loses sight of God. He forgets Joseph. And the truth is, when a nation forgets God, it begins the process of its inevitable downfall. We have seen this play out over and over again. 
When a nation forgets God, they forget themselves. When they forget the heroes, the flawed men that God has used to bring about mighty revivals, when it begins to lift up foolish men and women as their heroes, it begins to go down the path of destruction. Egypt was a mighty nation. It was strong, and it had forgotten that it was strong because of the blessings of God. It forgot the source of its strength. That they didn't conquer, they didn't win. It was, it was Joseph that rescued their butt. <laughs> they forgot. They felt entitled to the blessings that they had. And this is a bit of a commentary on America. That America is forgetting God. It is forgetting the heroes, the men and women of faith that sacrificed their blood not just for our freedom, not just for our liberty, but for our morals and our values. It is moving away from the center of its civilization, the moral code of the Ten Commandments, the moral law of the Golden Rule. It has forgotten Jesus, and it has forgotten the very source of its blessing. We might foolishly think we're blessed because we won World War II. We might foolishly think we're blessed because we're strong and we're mighty, we're self-made. The reality, we are only blessed because God has chosen to bless America. It's only because of God. Only by his grace. And we must, as people of God, be very aware of when a culture and a king and a kingdom begin to forget the reason for their blessing. And what are we to do? Well, I believe Moses is a great figure to show us how to move forward. He brings the solution. One man of faith can reawaken the faith of a whole nation. One man of God. You might not speak well. You might be too old. You might not be high born. But it doesn't matter. If God chooses to use you, he will use you and anything you got. Moses says, Lord... All I have is a staff. This is it. This is what I got. And God says, perfect. Because God uses us not because of our strength, not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. God uses people, men and women of faith, not of force. He uses men and women that are open and they're available. And this is what God did through Moses it's what God wants to do through you. He wants you to be a man or woman of faith to bring a nation back to God, to bring your family back to God, to lead, to trust, to follow. Moses shows us how to do it. You know, Moses' story is a very interesting one. You remember that he was born a Hebrew, Israelite, in the nation of Egypt. They, at this point, are enslaved and oppressed. In fact, even worse than that, Pharaoh was so afraid of the Hebrews multiplying that he set an edict down that all of the firstborn males were be, to be killed by throwing them into the Nile. So Moses was born under an edict of death. And this is, this is a picture of sin. We were all born under an edict of death, and we desperately needed salvation. But Moses wasn't thrown into the Nile. He was placed into the Nile in a, in a basket, a little boat woven of reeds. And I, I like that because I like that, I like that Moses' mother technically followed the law but did her own thing. 
I love that a little act of rebellion starts it all, you know? What? I threw him in the Nile, gently, with help. <laughs> and his sister's watching. And, you know, it's technically where Pharaoh's daughter usually is. She finds the child, Pharaoh's daughter, and she has grace on this child, and she, she begins to raise it in the palace as her own. But Moses knew his real identity. He knew who he really was. And one day Moses sees an Egyptian beating a Israelite slave, and he intervenes, and in that process ends up accidentally killing the Egyptian to rescue the Israelite. And he knows that this isn't good, he knows that Pharaoh is not going to allow this, so he flees and runs for his life into the desert, the wilderness of Midian. Well, he starts a whole new life there, gets a father-in-law, Jethro. He, he meets God on the backside of the desert. He's just a shepherd at this time, an old man, but he sees a burning bush that's on fire yet not consumed. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And he has an encounter with God's voice in that place, and he receives his calling and God says, I want you to go back. I want you to confront Pharaoh. And I want you to tell him to let my people go. Moses doesn't think he's enough. Moses doesn't think he has the skills. But God says, I'm going to go with you. And my power and my strength is more than enough. And so Moses goes back and he confronts Pharaoh. What's important for you to notice here is that the story of Moses, his personal and private life, the, the experiences God brings Moses through, he's about to use to bring the whole of Israel through as well. Many times, God will bring you through things personally and privately first. So you will gain authority in an arena where he wants to use you to bring others through publicly. A leader is formed in the backside of the desert. A leader spies out the land. A leader goes before. Have you ever tried to bring a group of people somewhere that you have never been before? It's very difficult to figure out where you're going and where everyone else needs to go as well. So God graciously will bring us through experiences, encounters. God will even use our enemies in order to make in us the kind of person with the kind of wisdom and give us the kind of faith that God brought me through it Therefore, he can bring you through it. I'll tell you, I've met people with faith for things that is almost, it's impressive. They have faith to sell homes. They have faith for marriages to be restored. They've got faith for you to overcome an addiction. And normally what you will find is that faith comes from something. They can say, I've been through this before. I've seen God move. You can get through this thing and I'm gonna help. Because see, God will give you authority when he brings you through these experiences. So what Moses went through personally, he's about to, God's about to complete the circle and he's about to bring all of Israel through those things. See, he goes back and though he was of a son of Pharaoh, he chooses to, for his identity to be that of the Hebrews and he confronts Pharaoh and he brings his people through the waters. Just like Moses went through the Nile River, so he brings the people of God through the Red Sea. Just like Moses went into the backside of the desert, the wilderness in search of God, he leads God's people into that wilderness that he went before. Just as Moses had an experience with God at Mount Sinai, so he brings the people to Mount Sinai so they can have an experience with God themselves. 
God will use every single thing you've been through, everything that you've conquered, every situation you have found yourself in. He will use it to build your faith, build your authority, and bring, bring leadership to your family and the people around you. And God's good because he moves in, in steps. He, he rarely moves in leaps and bounds. He moves slowly and surely. In other words, he won't, he won't run faster than you can keep up. He, he won't put a weight on you that will end up squashing you. God, God will, he'll administer his help in doses. He'll bring the weight in small sections. He'll move step by step. And he'll be with you every single step along the way. Moses had to go through something personally before he could go through it on a grand scale. And let me speak specifically to the young people. Just because you have ambitions doesn't mean you don't need experience. The reality is your ambition is great, and I hope you are very successful in life, but do not despise small beginnings. God is giving you wisdom. He's teaching you to trust, and he's giving you the, the knowledge of how faith works in difficult circumstances before he ever scales it up in your life. He will use things because you can't part the Red Sea if you've never passed through the Nile. And you can't confront Pharaoh if you've never been to the palace. And you can't, you can't encounter God at Sinai if you've never encountered him, encountered him with the burning bush. You first must go yourself. Then God will use you. And, and sometimes as you've been following God, you'll, you'll realize, oh, I've seen this before. You'll have something like a supernatural deja vu. Oh, hold on. I've seen this before, but in a smaller scale, because that's what God does also. He goes step by step, but he does make the steps go higher and higher. He does add the weight. Let me put it this way. He always ups the ante. You bought in at 100, but now the pot is at 1,000. God raises the stakes in your life, but the principles remain the same. And he does this to deepen, widen, strengthen your faith. God does this so that you can handle more and more of life more and more of the future because your faith has grown to the ability for you to handle it. The other day I saw a billboard on the highway. It said, live poker, risk nothing, earn millions. <laughs> risk nothing and earn millions, wow. <laughs> the reality is with God, you're gonna have to risk a lot of things. God is, he's so good, he doesn't lie to you. You're gonna have to risk. You're gonna have to take some difficult paths, make some tough choices. You're gonna have to take a risk maybe in your job. You might have to take a risk standing for your convictions. You might take a risk homeschooling your kids. You might have to take some risks in life. Who you marry, that's a risk. There are risks that God is gonna have you to take, but God says, but walk with me and you'll earn a great reward. When, when Moses stood before Pharaoh, he was risking his head. But God said, I'll stand with you. And me plus you is always a majority. There are more with you than those that stand against you. God's power is always greater. With God, there'll always be a risk that requires faith because that's the way he works. If it was all easy, if it was all simple, if it was all flow, then you wouldn't need faith. Faith is for when you don't know. Faith is for when you're unsure. Faith is for when it doesn't make sense. That's when God says, now, let's do this thing together.
Can I ask you to remember, think in your mind a moment where you really needed faith for a decision you were making. Maybe it was a new season you were moving into or a new area of life, a new job, whatever it was. Maybe it was just an area of life you wanted to have victory in and you knew, I really need faith. You were praying about it. Maybe you were fasting about it, speaking to others and asking for them to pray with you. If you can remember something in your past that you needed faith, and do you remember how God came through, how he did the incredible, the miraculous, the over-the-top, the strange? Maybe, maybe when God came through, it was so unique, you couldn't even tell people. You know, you tell them, and they're like, yeah, it's no big deal. But you're like, yeah, you weren't there, man. <laughs> it's funny. In that moment, all the way back then, you thought, this is impossible. How am I going to get out of this situation? How am I going to move forward? But isn't it amazing that things we used to think impossible, when God gets involved, end up being inevitable? Things that we thought were so large, so difficult to overcome. When we applied our faith and God got involved, on this end, we look back and we say, that was a little step. I thought it was a whole floor, but it was just a step. Can I propose to you that the giant obstacle in your life right now the risks and the decisions you have to make, it's the same thing. Next year, you're gonna look back on the difficult struggles in your life right here, right now, and you're gonna say, God was inevitably gonna get involved all the way along. I'm not gonna be filled with fear, I'm gonna be filled with faith. Because he was with me then, he was there in the Nile, he'll be there in the Red Sea. He was there in the wilderness, he'll be there at Mount Sinai again. He rescued you from Pharaoh once, he'll rescue your family from Pharaoh again. God is consistent, even on larger scales. And I hope that in this moment, or in a moment of extreme difficulty, you can remember the faithfulness of God to Joseph. We don't want to be like the Egyptians and forget the God of Joseph, the God of your father the God that you have seen show up time and time again, remember what God does. Because when you remember and when you recount what God does, it gives you faith that God can do it again. If you follow God, he will increase your faith. But to grow, you must stretch. God will stretch you. And right when you're done being stretched and you finally get comfortable and you say, whew, we can rest. It's like God hears that. What'd you say? <laughs> they just say rest? God wants to grow your faith because he knows your potential. He designed you and he designed the future he's leading you to and it is good. Faith, hear me, moves you forward. Faith moves you forward. Faith is so much more for than against. It's so much more future than past, and God wants to move you forward. And you might say, well, how? How do I move on? How do I move into? Well, the Bible tells us how Moses did it five times, by faith. By faith, he left Egypt. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew who was leading him. By faith, he kept the Passover and applied the blood of Jesus. And then by faith, the people followed him through the Red Sea. How did they move forward? They moved forward by faith. And you might ask, well, all right, well, what is faith? Well, let's use the definition we find in Hebrews 11.1. 1. The Bible says that faith is the confidence and assurance in Christ. That's what faith is. It is confidence and assurance 
in Christ. Not in self, not in surrounding, not in situations. It's in Christ. So I can have faith not because of me or who I am or what I've done. I can have faith because of who God is. Faith is confidence and assurance in Christ. Faith must be at the forefront of your life. If life was a meal, faith cannot be the garnish. It cannot be the seasoning. It cannot be the little bit of thing that just rounds out the meal, makes it. Faith's got to be the main course. Faith's got to sustain you. Faith's got to keep you alive. Faith's got to fill you. You need a lot of faith in your life. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the confidence of things hoped for. It's our evidence of the unseen realm. Faith is what we got right now in Christ Jesus for what is to come. But I think too many times, and this is a struggle we all face, I think too many times we replace faith with a natural means to an end. We we replace faith, which is such a supernatural and spiritual thing. We replace it with the easy thing, the obvious thing, the temporary thing. Sometimes we'll, we end up replacing faith with reason alone. And I'm not against reason. I, I really do believe we should reason together. And I believe faith and reason work together. And I love apologetics, and I, I love the fact that the Bible can be proven through philosophy, archaeology, history. I, I love that. But when I live, I don't want to live by reason alone. I don't want to live by intellect alone, my mind alone. No, I want to live, if I have to choose, by faith alone. But the reality is faith will work with your reason, but you have to not let reason, intellect, take over all of your decisions. If you can plan it all out and have it all figured out, you've got your five-year plan, your 15-year plan, you've got your five-day plan, you've got it set. Can I tell you, there might not be room for faith in that. The reality is you might not be able to think yourself into the place that God has for you. You might not be able to solve yourself into the promised land. Truth is you might come against some red seas that it doesn't matter how much you think. Okay, if we get some boats and we could make a bridge through the boats. And if, if anyone could invite, invent some sort of flying device like Leonardo's, we can lift ourselves. You'd be standing at that Red Sea for a thousand years. There are some things that reason can't get you through. You lay, out, uh, lay awake at night, running the scenarios in your head, experimenting over and over and over. If I did this, if I said this, if I went there, and the reality is reason will let you down. It will fail you but faith will fill in the gaps. We want our reason to be involved, but we make our choice by faith. You have to be careful that you don't let fear replace your faith. Many times, that's what we end up doing. If we don't go to reason, we go into the opposite of reason, which is fear. And we let the possibility of the unknown become our, our guiding light. And if you're not careful, fear loves to be a backseat driver. It loves to tell you what not to do and where not to go. And you're just going to be careful. You're going to do that. You can do that if you want. I'm just telling you the, the things that could happen. So the fear is like C-3PO calculating the statistics of survival. <laughs> fear wants to force you to make foolish decisions because of the opposite of faith. It wants you to make sure everything's set and coordinated and simple and precise and makes sense. 
And in the reality, you never go anywhere. You never risk anything. You never accomplish what God has for you. If you end up listening to fear, you'll be stuck in Egypt forever. Even when they were at the Red Sea, the people began to cry out to Moses, did you bring us out of Egypt just to let us die here in the desert? I'd rather live in slavery than die in the desert. What was that? That was fear speaking. And what does God say? God says essentially, tell those people to shut up. Go read it. It's in Exodus. You might have to get like the message version or something, but it's in there. What does Moses say? He says, be still, be silent, and let's, let, let's see what God's about to do. Because the people, he says, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. I'm thankful that the problems you see today, when God gets involved, you will never see them again. They will not linger. They will not last. They will not cast a shadow over your life. But when God gets involved, he completes the problem thoroughly. And he moves you forward completely by faith. Can you say amen? amen? Please hear me. Be careful to not let these things crowd out your faith. The Bible says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Not our surroundings, not our perception, not what's going on in the world. No, we walk by faith and faith alone. I think about this time, uh, I, read in this, I read in the biography of Walt Disney about the, the time when he was dying. He was in the hospital. And he, at this point, he was still planning Epcot, which wasn't a theme park then. It was supposed to be a city with a, with a whole you know, new way to live, new community. And he was putting his whole life into this, but he had come to the end of his life before he could see it uh, built up. And his brother Roy came to visit him. And there he is lying in the bed, and he... he he begins to go over the plans for Epcot with his brother, Roy. He looks up at the ceiling panels and he says, Roy, let's use this as the grid for all of the sections and let's imagine the different sections of the park. And he assigned each panel to an area of the park and they went through area by area, what they were gonna build, what they were gonna do, how they were gonna do it. And then Walt said, but see right there, right by the lake, I wanna put a bench right there. He said, because that's where me and my wife, we're gonna sit on that bench, look across the lake, and see what we've built. See, Walt wasn't delusional. He knew he was dying. But to the very end, he was a man of faith. He said, I'm gonna, I see in my heart what I might not ever see with my eyes. I see in my heart something that could be, should be. I pray at the end of your life, you still have faith for great things. I pray you still have big plans. I pray you're talking about the future. And let everyone around your bed say, like, does he not know? Nah, he knows. But to the bitter end, he's going with faith, 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 faith. <laughs> Keep planning. Keep pushing. I wonder, what do you see by faith for your future? Not by sight. Not by surroundings. What do you see by faith? Well, you might say today, oh, Jordan, I... I don't see anything by faith because you know what? I'm a realist and things are bad. The housing market is bad. The economy is bad. I walked here because of gas. <laughs> you might not know how bad it is out there, but I know and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll constantly tell you. Can I challenge you? Don't let your surroundings determine your future. Don't let society tell you where you're headed. 
Don't let the economy paint the picture of your future. Move there by faith. Move there by faith. I'm not saying to disregard what's happening around you. You might be in Egypt, and there might be some very real problems. But can I tell you, someone greater than Egypt exists. Someone greater than Pharaoh exists. And if God is for you, nothing can be against you. Think about when Peter walked out on water. His faith faltered when? When he looked around. When he decided to move his faith off of Jesus and instead put it in the circumstances and in the surroundings all around him, that's when his faith began to falter and when he drowned. Can I challenge you today? Focus your faith on Jesus alone. Evaluate your intake. I, I speak about this often, but I think it's important. I think many times the primary voices in our lives are faithless. And I don't just mean that they're not Christian. I just mean that they're filled with stuff, agendas or fear, or they want your money. You gotta be careful what you listen to, who you listen to. You gotta be careful what you watch, where you scroll. Because all of these things have an influence on your faith. You gotta be careful who you talk to. I hope when you make a call to somebody, I hope they feel excited to answer the phone. I hope they feel like this person's gonna bring faith into my life. I hope when your name goes on the phone, they don't go, oh, God help. <laughs> Lord, give me faith, because this person doesn't have any. I hope that you're an additive to people's lives, not a subtractor. I hope that you bring the faith. But you gotta be very careful. You gotta be very careful with what you ingest, because you are what you eat. I pray that you filter things through faith. I'm not saying that things aren't bad, I'm just saying God is good. I'm saying in the end, we're gonna live in Goshen, not Egypt. I'm just saying in the end, we have a promised land. I'm just telling you, the arm of Pharaoh is not stronger than the mighty arm of the Lord. I'm just telling you. What is our faith in? Our faith is in God's great plan for salvation, and he does have a plan. He has a plan for salvation for this world. He has a plan for salvation for America and he has a plan for salvation for you and your family. God's plans and God's purposes are yes and amen. They will come to pass. They will happen. Nothing can stop them. Nothing can stop them. There are many dictators, and there are many forces, and there are many enemies that have come against God, and all, like Lucifer, have fallen. Nothing can stop the plan of God in your life. I hope you've got faith right now rising up within you on who Jesus is and the power that he brings, God's great plan of salvation. God had a plan for salvation for Israel. God has a plan of salvation for you. God's plan of salvation was worked through Moses then, but for us, it's Jesus. Moses was just a foreshadowing. He was just a picture of what a liberator was to look like. But Jesus is the true and better Moses. And he moves us out of the land of Egypt, which represents bondage and death, the edict of death, that all the children should be killed. That's sin. That's the enemy. But one that is greater than Egypt has come. And one that is greater than Pharaoh has come. And like Moses confronted Pharaoh, Jesus 
confronted the tyranny of death and the tyranny of sin. He took the keys back. Like it took the Passover lamb to be slaughtered and the blood to be applied at the doorpost and the lentil, so Jesus allowed himself to be slaughtered and his blood put on the door of our home so that when the angel of death came, even if there's death all around us, there's life within our house. Why? Because we've applied the blood of the lamb. Jesus said, I'll become the perfect, spotless, willing blood of the lamb. And the angel of death cannot touch you. Life is within the home. But Jesus also became the firstborn who died in our place so that we did not have to die. Jesus is all throughout the book of Exodus showing how he always had a plan. And you might think that you're surrounded. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an addiction or maybe it's a situation. Maybe you feel like the people of Israel. The water is in front of them. The rocks on each side of them and Pharaoh is chasing them down. And maybe you feel like you're always trying to outrun your past or your failure or your sin. Maybe you feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Or maybe you look into the future and you just can't see how God would get you forward. You might even believe that God has a promised land for you, but you have no idea how you're going to get there. Can I tell you that God has a plan for that moment as well? God tells Moses, lift up your staff. Lift it up over the waters. Well, this took an act of faith. Moses didn't know what was going to happen. Anything could have happened. He could have looked foolish. But Moses, by faith, lifted the staff over the waters, and the impossible happened. A great wind from the mouth of God began to break the water apart. No one had ever seen anything like this because God can do the impossible and he can do it creatively. In one moment, God can shift the impossible to the inevitable. In one moment, he can divide the plans of the enemy. He can block their pursuit. In one moment. What did Moses do? He lifted the staff. But you and I, we've got something better than the staff of Moses. We have the cross of Jesus Christ. He is the one that was lifted up. And when he was lifted up, death parted. When he was lifted up, Pharaoh drowned. When he was lifted up, God made a way where there was no way. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all mankind unto myself. Jesus knew that he was here to challenge sin, shame, and death. And Jesus knew that he was going to make a path that we could walk through on dry ground. He's going to do a miracle in your life. And the greatest miracle is salvation. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.